Welcome to Front Range. My name is Ernest Smith and Merry Christmas, everybody. Man, we're so excited that you're here. Hey, if this, maybe it's your first time here or maybe you show up you know, every once in a while or maybe you're a regular. Our hope and prayers are this become a home for you, a place where you can build community, discover your purpose and grow in your faith in Jesus. I want to let you know uh, next Sunday, that's uh, New Year's Eve, we will not have services in person. Okay, there'll be online only, and we do that because one of our core values is celebrating families. And, uh, and our, our staff and our dream team of volunteers have put a lot of work and effort into uh, Christmas and this last few weeks and all of that. So one way we can celebrate families is by giving them that time off uh, and just spending it with their families and their loved ones. And uh, so if you show up here next Sunday, you're going to be all alone. And no one wants that, okay? So don't be all alone. Join us online. It's going to be awesome. Um, uh, I've already heard the message. Uh, it's awesome. It's awesome. Uh, so, uh, and it wasn't for me. That would be weird if I, okay, whatever. Uh, we're so excited uh, that, to do that. So please join us. And then we'll be back in person on January 7th, right here. We're going to be starting a new series called Genesis, which is not about a band. Uh, it's about new beginnings and the first book of the Bible. We're going to be studying that together. So make sure you're here January 7th. Join us online next Sunday. Okay, now, how many of you, by show of hands, how many of you are excited to open up a Christmas present either today or tomorrow? Anybody excited? Okay, yeah, a few uh, truthful adults and uh, mostly kids. Um, man, I love open up presents. Let me ask you this, by show of hands, how many of you have ever gotten a gift you didn't need? Anybody ever gotten a gift you didn't need? Yeah, a lot more hands going up there. I love to give out gifts, so I want to give a few gifts out. Uh, the first one is a, a gas card. Pastor Aaron's going to pass them out. Maybe somebody over here. Uh, it's a $50 gas card, which means you can get like two gallons right now. Uh, <laughs> praise God. Uh, actually, a few more today, so that's, that's great. Then we've got a little grocery card. It's 50 bucks. That's like half a gallon of milk right there. So uh, Pastor Aaron's going to give that out. <laughs> uh, and then, we have, and then we have this one. It's uh, wrapped real nice and, and everything. Pastor Aaron, you can give that one out. Um, that one uh, is probably a gift that uh, somebody doesn't need. It's a box of Twinkies. Uh, so have you ever gotten a gift you don't need? And let me ask you this. What do you need? Like right now at Christmas, when you're thinking about the things you're walking through, what is your soul crying out for? What are you longing for? in your life? What do you need God to do this Christmas season? The last three weeks, we've been in a series called The Gift, where we've been looking at the birth of Christ and the gifts that were brought to him and his family and what those gifts symbolize. And what we've been looking at is how when Jesus was born, there was this like celebration all around the world. You've got these shepherds that are out in the field and the angels appear to them and tell them that he's now come. And they're like, yes, and they're rejoicing. You've got these, these wise men from the east that, that they don't even know who Jesus is, but somehow they know that like a king of the Jews, the Messiah has been born. They give up most scholars would say about a year and a half to two years of their life to go find Jesus. And then when they find him, they worship him. You've got all kinds of writings during that time period where the whole world, like there was this worldwide, it's crazy, a worldwide expectation that a Messiah was going to come. You've got writings from people in the East. You've got uh, Roman historians and Roman poets who wrote about this coming Messiah, this, this Savior of the world. And so there's this worldwide expectation. And when Jesus is born, there's this massive celebration. But why? It's because they've been in 400 years of silence. 400 years of God seemingly not doing anything there's been no miracles attributed to God. There's been no writings from God. There's been no prophets raised up by God, no angels sent by God. 400 years of silence. Can you imagine that? 
I mean, 400 years of waiting for God to move, waiting for God to do something, that's, that's longer than our country has been in existence. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't like waiting for anything. I don't like going into a grocery store and waiting in line. When I hit traffic on I-25, I start to like twitch a little bit. You know, like I don't like waiting for anything. I remember when I was 18 years old, and the Broncos won their first Super Bowl. I remember where I was. I remember jumping up and down. I was screaming. I was so excited. Why? Because I had waited 10 years. I'd been a fan since I was eight, so I waited 10 long, hard years. You know, then a couple of years ago when Georgia won another national championship, it was the first one since I was one years old. I waited 41 years for them to win that national title. Can you imagine waiting hundreds of years? Now, many of us, we probably aren't waiting hundreds of years for something, but many of us probably are in a waiting season right now. Maybe you're waiting for God to repair a relationship in your life. Maybe you're waiting for God to bring back a child to the faith. Maybe you're waiting for a miracle to happen physically in your life or somebody else's life or maybe a miracle mentally or emotionally in your life. Maybe you're waiting for God just to move. Like, God, just show up. Just tell me, God, that you are real. Maybe you haven't been waiting for hundreds of years, but if you've ever been in a waiting season, then you know how hard it can be, how challenging it can be, how dark it can feel, how hopeless it can feel. My wife and I, we've been asking God to do something in our family for a while. We've been been waiting, waiting with this expectation that God can move, that God will move, and, and it's been hard. There's been many, many moments of pain. There's been a lot of darkness and hopelessness and all of that, things that all of us have been through in our lives. And one of the things that I've learned over the years is that light is at its brightest when the night is at its darkest. Meaning that if you were to take a flashlight, if I were to take a flashlight right now and turn the flashlight on with all these lights on and everything, you'd be like, well, that flashlight's not very bright. But if you were to take a flashlight and turn off all of these lights and turn on the same flashlight, you'd be like, oh man, that thing's pretty bright. Why? Because light is at its brightest when the night is at its darkest. And some of us are walking through some dark things right now. Some of us are walking through some really hard things in our lives. And the people in that time period, they were, they were waiting for God to show up, not just 400 years. They were, had been waiting for the Messiah for hundreds and hundreds of years prior to that. You can go all the way back to 700 BC when uh, the prophet Isaiah lived. And Isaiah, he was a prophet. A prophet is somebody sent from God to speak a specific message to a person or group of people. And so Isaiah, he's got this message from God to speak. Now, Isaiah lives during one of the hardest times that the nation has ever had. The nation of Israel has ever gone through is one of the most difficult times. The nation was was divided. It It was split. There were other nations that were a threat to them. The leaders, they were making decisions that were not honoring to God or or caring for people. The economy wasn't good. There was a lot of hopelessness. Does it sound like a little bit like today? It was way worse back then. And it was in this setting that God chooses to speak. In this setting where the nation is split, where people are running crazy, where the leaders are terrible, where where the economy's awful, where there's no hopeless, and there's no hope for the people, and they're going, what do we do? Like, what do we hold on to? And God says, okay, now I'm going to speak to you. It's Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1 is where we pick up with a story. And here's what it says. It says, nevertheless... So he just goes on and says, all these bad things, they're happening now and they're going to continue to happen, but nevertheless, nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. That even though it's dark, nevertheless, even though there's pain and there's hopelessness, nevertheless, 
Even though those great challenge that you're walking through and there's a lot of darkness that you're dealing with as a nation, nevertheless, then he says that there'll be no more gloom. And he continues, look at verse two, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. So you may be walking in darkness now, but a light will shine forth. God's giving them this hope, this promise of a better tomorrow. Verse three, you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. So he's like, hey, it's hard. It's challenging, but I'm going to increase your joy. You will rejoice. There will be great things. Then in verse 4 and 5, he talks about how he's going to do away with the violence. He's going to do away with oppression. Now, if I were to tell you that our nation is going to be united, that, that man, you're going to have great joy, you know, you're going to have peace, that the, we're going to do away with the oppression, with the violence, you would go, Ernest, that all sounds great, but how? Like, tell me how that's going to happen. You might think peace is going to come through some great army, or joy is going to, going to come when the Federal Reserve lowers the interest rates, or, you know, the, that hope is going to shine forth when the oppression is gone and there's no more hurt and pain in our lives. But it's not what God tells them. It's right in here where he speaks to them. He tells them exactly how hope is going to come. And he speaks to us exactly how hope is going to come, how light will shine forth in the darkness, how you and I We'll see a great victory, and it's through a baby. Look at verse 6. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, this seems crazy. That God's going to do away with all opposition, all the hostility in the world by sending a baby? You would think if God's going to do something, he's going to send a warrior to like stomp out the hostility and the opposition and all of that. But God says, I'm not sending a warrior. I'm sending a child. But it's not just any child. It's God. It's God with us. A couple chapters earlier in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 4, we're told that there's this prophecy of the coming Messiah. And it says, hey, a virgin is going to conceive and give birth to a son, and they're going to call him Emmanuel. They're not saying that his name is literally going to be Emmanuel. It's a title that's given. We know his name is Jesus, but the title that he's given is Emmanuel, which means God with us. Then in Matthew chapter 1, when Mary's told, hey, you're about to become pregnant and you're going to have the Savior of the world, it says, hey, you're going to conceive, you're going to give birth to a son, and you're going to call him Emmanuel, God with us. This isn't just any baby. This is God coming to be with you and I, coming to be with us us. And then look again at the names he gives this baby. These aren't like, like little names that you would give to one another. These aren't nicknames that you would give to a friend. These aren't names you would give to your spouse. You wouldn't say, hey, my spouse is a wonderful counselor, you know, or a mighty God or whatever. Like, look at these, these words again. It says, and he will be called what? Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. This year, when you're thinking about the gifts that you're going to give somebody, and you're thinking about the gifts that you're going to receive. My prayer is that whatever your heart is longing for, whatever your soul needs, you would find it in the greatest gift the world is being offered. That's in Jesus. Jesus wasn't just like any other baby. I mean, we come here today to celebrate not just the birth of a baby. But we come here to celebrate that God came to be with us. And this God, our Jesus, 
He's a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, and a prince of peace. But what do those titles mean? Well, you look at wonderful counselor, and that word wonderful means beyond understanding or beyond human comprehension. So wonderful means like we can't even imagine it. And then counselor, counselor is someone who instructs or guides from a position of authority. So you understand the role of a counselor, right? Like if you were to go to a counselor, you, you go there because you have problems, right? Like no one's like, hey, I want to go, go to a counselor and just pay a lot of money just to hang out, just to talk and enjoy life. No, there's something going on. There's something that's propelling you to go, hey, I've got an issue in my life. Jesus is the wonderful counselor and he's going, hey, if you've got problems, come to me. Guess what? We all have problems. Now, for some people, we, we, when we look at our problems, we think maybe our problems are too small for God. Like, meaning that, man, I, I'm just dealing with what I'm dealing with. And like, there's, there's other people who have bigger issues. There's other people who have bigger things going on. The world's a mess, you know. God, God's got to be thinking about other things other than just me, right? Or maybe my problems are too big for God. Like maybe I've, I've prayed for God to do this, to heal me, to take care of this relationship, to bring my child back, whatever it may be. I've prayed for this, and it just hasn't happened. So maybe it's just too big for him. Or maybe does God really even see me? Does God even care about me? I mean, I'm just one out of what, eight, nine billion or whatever there is. I'm just one. So does God really even see me? But here's the beauty is that, number one, we all have problems. Number two, every miracle that Jesus did started with a problem. So if you have a problem, you're a great candidate for a miracle. Like God wants to do something in your life. God wants to show up. God wants to show off in your life. God wants to do something so great and so powerful in your life. If you need a wonderful counselor, if you're looking at your situation, you're thinking, man, my marriage or my relationship with my kids or things that my kids are going through or my workplace or whatever, man, I need God's wisdom. I need God to show up. I need God to give me direction. God to help me out in this situation. There's good news. He's our wonderful counselor. Do you need a wonderful counselor this Christmas? But he's not just a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. That phrase mighty means to be powerful, strong, that God can do anything. Say anything. Okay, there was like five of you and then the kids, okay? So let's, let's try that again. God can do anything. Say anything. anything. He can do anything. I mean, God is so powerful that he could do anything. And I think intellectually, most of us would say, I believe that. I believe that God can do anything. However, I think when it comes to our prayer life and maybe what we do, we may not reflect that belief. Like how many times, and I've been guilty of this, how many times have we not prayed for something because we think, ah, this is probably not going to happen anyways. Like I've been guilty of like praying for something and then it not happening and the next time I need, that, that thing needs to happen, like we need a miracle in that area. I'm like, well, God didn't do it last time. Like I, I've never seen God do that. I've never seen God do this over here that I need him to do. So I'm just, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to pray. Or maybe we think, well, I mean, if God is mighty, like if he's telling me to do something, what if he doesn't show up? Like what if he doesn't show up and I look like a fool? Right? Like I, I, look, I, I don't look like the smart one here. Like I was this crazy guy just trying to follow God. And if he doesn't show up, I don't want to be that. And so like intellectually, we could say God is a mighty God, but does your prayer life and the, does what you do reflect God being this powerful, mighty God who can do anything? I mean, you look at the life of Jesus and I mean, Jesus healed people. He gave sight to the blind. He raised people from the dead. 
Here's what's fascinating. When you look at most historians, most scholars, almost none of them disagree that Jesus did some miracles, that Jesus did something powerful. Where they disagree is whether or not Jesus was raised from the dead. That's where they disagree. But Jesus did the miracles. So even if you just take that, you're like, holy cow, this guy's powerful. He's strong. He's unlike anybody else. But if you get stuck there, he also raised himself from the dead. He also did something I've never seen anybody else do. He conquered death. I don't know about you, but I have no family members and no friends that have ever conquered death before. Nobody. I don't even have a family member or a friend that has done a miracle before, much less raised themselves from the dead. He is a mighty God. What do you need God to do this Christmas? Do you need a mighty God? Do you need healing in some area of your life? Do you need healing in a relationship? Healing mentally, emotionally, physically? Go to him. He's powerful. He can do anything. You have to come to him. He's a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. He's an everlasting father. I'll be real honest with you. This one's hard for me. The everlasting father, the belief that God is an everlasting father, it's hard because I didn't have a good dad growing up. So why would I want an everlasting one of those? But this phrase, everlasting father, it means benevolent protector. It's like what the father should be. A father should be caring. A father should be a protector. A father, a father should be a provider. A father should be somebody that wants to sit with you, wants to be with you, wants to care for you. That's who God is. And here's the reality. All of us, as, as us men, as us fathers, we all fall really short of being an everlasting father. That's not our role. We mess up all the time. But God never walks away. God never messes up in our lives. Do you need an everlasting father? For some of us, we need God to provide. And maybe this year has been really hard for you. I mean, the economy is not great. Maybe you've lost your job or something else is going on. I mean, the number of needs that we've had people over the last month or so, just say, hey, man, I've got some needs here. The number of requests that we've gotten has just skyrocketed. Maybe you need God to provide for you. Do you need God the protector? Maybe there's something going on in your life, something going on in your kid's life where you're like, man, I need God to protect us. I need God to show up and provide the protection that we, we need right now. God, I need you as an everlasting father. Or maybe you just need a dad. I'll be real vulnerable with you. This is kind of where I'm at. A few months back, I finally came to the realization that my dad just will never be the dad that I long for. He just, it's inca he's incapable of being that. And then when I finally got to that realization, I, I called my sister up and, you know, obviously we go through the same stuff. And so I called her up and I told her, hey, this is kind of where I'm at. And I said, so now I'm just praying that God would bring me another dad. Like God would bring me this father-like figure in my life that I can look to as a, as a true dad, as you know, what we all long for. And so as I began praying for that, I remember God just being like, hey, Ernest, I'm your everlasting father. Like what you're longing for in some human, that's great. We all want a good dad in our life. 
but I'm your everlasting father. I'm the one who will care for you. I'm the one who will provide for you. I'm the one who will sit with you. I'm the one who cares about your family. I'm the one who will show up for you. I am that dad. Come to me. Do you need an everlasting father this Christmas? He's a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. He's an everlasting father. And he's the prince of peace. That word peace is shalom, and it means completeness, to have health, to have prosperity. It does not mean to remove fear or to remove you from a situation. Like we think if we have peace, then everything is good. Everything is, you know, it's, it's okay in my life. But that's not what peace is. Uh, one of my favorite pastors, his name is Tony Evans, and he says it like this. He says, peace is not the absence of fear. It's the presence of God. Let me say that again. Peace is not the absence of fear. It's the presence of God. Meaning that if you pursue God, if you seek after him and he comes into your situation, then your circumstances may not change, right? The fear may not go away, but God's peace will abound in your life and in that moment. You've all seen this. Right, like, like for me, many times, what I try to do is I'm, I'm trying to like change my situation. I'm trying to get resolution. I'm trying to get some solution going on or whatever. And I think if I can get that, then I'll have what I long for. And whatever you're seeking after, even if you get it, many times it doesn't give you what you ultimately want. Like I talk to people that say, man, if I can just find the love of my life, maybe I won't be lonely. Or if I can just get this job or this pay raise, or what, then maybe I won't worry about money anymore. I won't have any more needs. And if you've been living life for a little bit, you know you can get those things and it doesn't give you the peace that you long for or that you want. You only find that peace when you invite God in. When you invite God into your life, first and foremost, and then you invite God into your situation, then you find peace. Your situation may, cha may not change. Okay, it may still be very dark and very scary, but if God is with it, is with you in it, then you can have the peace that you're longing for, you're hoping for. Do you need a Prince of Peace this Christmas? What do you need? Ask yourself that question. For many of us, you probably haven't taken a whole lot of time to ever ask yourself that question. Like many of us, we have so many things we've got to do. There's so many people that are relying on us and you know, we've, got to, we've got to make money and pay the bills and we've got, we've got kids or whatever the situation. We've got all these things going on and rarely do you take time to ask the question, what do I need? What do I need from God? What do I need from the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords? Ask yourself that question this Christmas because my prayer has been, I've been, as I've been praying for you, most of you, you registered, right? And so I, we get that registration. I've been praying for you by name. Saying, God, show up in this family's life. God, you know what's going on. And my prayer has been that whatever you're dealing with, whatever your soul is longing for, that you'll come to the King of Kings. And the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace will meet you wherever you are. What does it mean to come to him? It means to first acknowledge where you're at. Acknowledge that, acknowledge that you have a need. And then open your heart to him. If you're not a believer or maybe you accepted Christ a long time ago and you've kind of strayed away, you've kind of been doing your own thing, then first it's welcoming Jesus into your life. You can't have the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father and the prince of peace without first asking Christ to come into your life. What does that look like? It means one, you recognize that you're a sinner. We all are. 
like all of us, I'm the first. We're all sinners. The Bible tells us that because we sin, we separate ourselves from God. If you've ever been in a place where you're like, man, I, I don't know if I feel God's presence. I don't know, I've never heard God's voice in my life. I, I don't feel like I have a relationship with him. Sin does that. And all of us have sinned. But God loves you so much. He loves you so much and he wants to be with you that he made a way through Jesus. He sent Jesus to pay the price that you and I deserve to pay. Like I deserve to pay for my own sin. But Jesus paid the price by dying on the cross. But he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead three days later. Why? To show his power over death and over sin. And so as you first recognize, man, I'm a sinner and I need God's grace. And here's the deal. It doesn't mean that your circumstances are going to change. It doesn't mean that you're not still going to have doubts, maybe some questions and all of that. It just means you're saying, you know what? Today, I'm going to step over this line of faith. God's saying, come home. There's no greater Christmas gift that you could receive this Christmas than the gift of Jesus, the gift of salvation. And for some of you, you've already done that. Like you're, you're a follower of Christ. And then I would say to you, then what aspect of God, what, what, which one of these titles do you need God to show up? Like maybe you need a wonderful counselor. You need God's wisdom. You need his direction. You need God to show up and give you what you need for a certain situation you're walking through. Maybe you need a mighty God. You need God to heal you need God to do a miracle. You need God to repair something. Maybe you need an everlasting father. You just need a dad who's going to love you, who's going to provide for you, who's going to protect you, who's going to be there for you. Maybe you need the Prince of Peace. Maybe you're walking through something right now that, again, the circumstances may not change, but you need the peace of God to dwell in your heart and your mind. So then invite God into that. Whatever it is you need, just acknowledge it and then say, God, this is what I need. God, will you provide this for me as I come to you and I trust in you? Let's pray. Father, we come before you and I thank you for your mercy and your grace in our lives. I thank you, God, that at Christmas, we don't just celebrate the birth of a baby. We celebrate you, God, being with us. Thank you for that truth. And God, you know exactly what our hearts are crying out for, what we're longing for. Father, first, we know that every service, but especially Christmas Eve, God, we have so many people who walk through these doors that would say, man, I, honestly, Ernest, I feel very far from God. Maybe you felt close to him at some point in your life. Maybe you, maybe you never have. Maybe it's your first time in church, or maybe you haven't been back in a while. Maybe you come every week and you just feel like, man, there's a distance, distance between you and God. If that's you, God's saying, just come home. Come home. We're all sinners, and I'm in that boat with you. We're all sinners. We need God's grace and God's mercy. And it's receiving what Christ has done for you, that he died on the cross. He paid the price that we deserve to pay. He paid it. And it's receiving him. It's crossing this line of faith and you're still going to have questions still going to be some doubts we'll, we'll as a church walk with you through all of that more importantly God will walk with you through all of that but today God's saying come home so if that's you and you say man that's where I'm at and that's the decision I need to make with every head bowed and eyes closed I'm not going to ask you to come forward I'm not going to ask you to stand up 
With every head bowed and eyes closed, here's what I'm going to ask right now. If you'd say, yes, Ernest, I, I want to accept Christ. I want to re recommit my life to Christ. Man, I want to have that faith in God. I want to say yes to God today. If that's you, just raise a hand. I just want to know who to pray for. Amen, amen, amen. So many hands. Amen, 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 amen. Amen. Thank you, God, for each one of these individuals. I thank you, God, that you know their story. You know them by name. If you're watching online and God sees you as well, God knows what you're dealing with. I just want, I want you to know that God sees your faith decision today. And the Bible tells us that even when one sinner repents, when we turn, when we invite God into our lives, that the angels are rejoicing. So the angels are rejoicing now because of your decision. I rejoice with you. It's the greatest thing you could do. God, thank you. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. And God, for all of us, tell us what we're to do. Tell us what our next steps are, God. God, for those of us who need a wonderful counselor, God, be with us. Give us your wisdom as we pursue you and your word. Give us your direction, Father, what we need. Father, for those of us who need a mighty God, we need you to show up. We need you to do a miracle, Father. So show up in a powerful way. And just like the miracles you've done before, you can do again. And we're going to stand in faith and believe that you will and beg you till it happens. God, for those of us who need an everlasting father, God, just show up. Like, show up, God. Just be with us. Wrap your arms around us, God. Allow us to know that you're going to provide, that you're going to protect, and that you care. Father, for those of us who need peace, you are the Prince of Peace. So we turn our situation over to you now, God, and we ask that you would enter into it with us. Be with us, God. Thank you, God, that at Christmas we celebrate that, that you loved us so much that you came to be with us. We give you glory in Jesus' name.